WBBEL.com. For the latest coronavirus news, open the WPG Talk Radio app. Now, Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Hey, welcome back. 51 minutes past the hour. When we last spoke with Bob Progner, Bob and Sydney Progner own the Seacrest Inn, which is a fabulous property on Beach Avenue in Cape May and, and a place that Margie and I and our kids, we, we just, we love it there. And last time I talked to Bob, Last week, I forget what day it was last week, maybe as uh, recently as Friday with Gary Aldrich or or at some point during Friday's program, I asked Bob what his occupancy was for the first week of June when they're allowed to reopen at a certain percentage, 60% uh, of, of capacity. He was at 7%. Now, there's been several days. I know I saw it myself on Facebook, and I know that Bob and Cindy are doing social media and they're doing what they do to um to market their business so bob joins us now bob i'm curious uh what was seven percent for the first week of june what is it now uh, it's still seven percent harry oh that's that's terrible i mean because i know you spent some time this weekend um with uh with social media it was nice and i i saw it and i was hoping that that would have generated some so it's actually right now the, the government has succeeded in almost making it that nobody would want to go travel or do anything because they're they're so busy scaring everybody to death so you're still at seven percent oh and and normally for the first week of june bob would be at at least eighty percent so i i imagine bob that's not really a problem right for the month of june if if you're down like seventy three percent you can you can handle that for the rest of your life right Sure, Harry. Sure. Look, yeah. we we uh, we're not like the uh, the year-round properties that that throughout the country. We we make our money in a, in a window really of, of four or five months, and and June is a big month. It's a big month to lose. Now, we're we're doing better as as you go further in the summer, but you lose April, May, and June, and you know in effect, you know we've we've got the green light to open. That's wonderful. However, the amenities that people want when they go on vacation, they're still not there. And a big one, of course, is dining. I, I manned the front desk this weekend. I just want, I wanted to see what it, what we were dealing with, and I had a couple calls interested in staying at the Seacrest. Uh, by by the way, are, are the restaurants open? Well, no. You can only do takeout, and, and that's it. You lose the sale. Now. There are other amenities we still don't have. Swimming in the ocean. My pool. I can open my pool. I can't let any customers swim in the pool. So this is the, the government. So pool. they can lay on a lounge chair, of course, six feet apart. They can lay on a lounge chair, and the pool is, is crystal clear. It's operating, but they can't go in it. Can't go in it, right? Uh, this is, this is and, and, you know, now I'm, I'm hearing with with further in the summer that the city of Cape May may be, may be having a, the beach tag inspectors may be having a clicker with everyone entering the beach that when they feel there's a certain capacity, the beach gets shut down. So you're paying very much money to stay in Cape May. You want to go to the beach, you get up a little late, guess what? You can't go on the beach. Yeah, that's, that's good for you business. Know, this is government overreach that is symptomatic of New Jersey. 
I came back from Florida last week. I came back from a state that was run by a magnificent governor who saw the problems, who concentrated on the weak point, which was the nursing homes, gets no credit at all for it, and had to deal with mass migration from the biggest hot spot in the world. They had cruise ships docking with COVID. You're right, everybody coming in, people admitting they were flying from New York with COVID-19 going into Florida. And look at the difference. And yet, I was just talking about this, Bob. I don't know if you, if you heard it. But that Cuomo, who's been wrong on everything and got everything handed to him. I don't believe that Ron DeSantis got a U.S. Navy uh, warship turned into hospital. And he had COVID-19 on cruise ships. Uh, he didn't get the, the, the equivalent of a Javits Center hospital. He's gotten the job done. I, I said earlier, Bob, that Governor DeSantis is the most successful governor in America, and especially when you base it on the tourism of Central Florida, the, all the beaches, all up and down the coast. His performance has been amazing, but the Democrat media, they will not even mention him. No, he, he, he should get the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Yeah. He's been that great. Yeah. He saved thousands of lives. Now, you know, I came from a state, Harry, that was getting back to normal. You know, the beaches were opened almost a month ago. No problems. The restaurants were open when I left. I was able to get a haircut. The gyms opened yesterday in Florida. I come back to a state that's just locked down tight. Yeah. That... And, and, you know, in Cape May and Atlantic County, we the infection rates are are minuscule. In, in Cape May, if, if you are, are, we had a task force on reopening, we, were, we had less less than 1%. It was probably less than one-half of 1% of, of the uh, cases in the state. Yet the governor just shuts us down, does not let people who've worked hard all their lives doesn't let let them make a living. Let's they, they they are facing financial ruin. That's true. You know, again, and you know this this cannot stand. You know, we it, the the cost of just the health cost of not getting the cancer screenings, of not getting elective procedures like colonoscopies. Uh, the health costs are going to be huge. We we are killing people. Yeah, not to mention the suicides, Bob. Exactly, exactly. Which are, which are in the many thousands, supposedly uh, 5,000 to 10,000 per 1% of unemployment. I mean, it's going to be more death at people's own hands than, than from the disease. And, and I keep saying at some point, it's beyond reasonable to continue to stay shut down because that is killing people. Yeah. You know, the governor shuts down AA meetings, but he, he keeps the liquor stores open. You know, this just makes no sense. And, you know, this Democrat narrative of safety at all costs, we don't live that way. You know, we don't, we have interstate highway speeds at 70 miles an hour. And for that, ten, I guarantee you at least 10,000 people a year die in this country. And that's probably, probably low. Yeah, so at that, if you want to get down to zero, you make it, you don't just lower the speed limit from 70 to 60. The expressway used to be 75, and then, of course, it was lowered to 65 or wherever it's at now. And, and But to make it zero, you would then say you can't drive. So you can't get to zero. We risk when we go out and drive. We risk just walking out 
I told the story of the person was walking in New York City and a piece of concrete facade came down, crushed them, dead. If they didn't, if they weren't allowed to go out, that wouldn't have happened. But we can't live paralysis. We just can't do it. Bob, we're at the end of the hour. Kirk, uh, thanks for a great hour. And we'll catch you next time. Terrific, Gary. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Always a pleasure. Yeah, my pleasure. Chuck Malamud is next, and then Senator Chris Brown at 9.04. It's halftime. It's early in the morning. 95.5 FM and 1450 AM, WPGG Atlantic City, WENJ 97.3, HD3 Millville. and a half million people infected. I'm Dave Anthony, Fox News. That is the new coronavirus global count this morning. Nearly a third of the cases are in the U.S., where the number of deaths is approaching 100,000. But lately, the virus has been spreading faster in Brazil, and the U.S. is accelerating travel restrictions. Fox's Rachel Sutherland has more live. Dave, the ban applies to all non-U.S. citizens who have been in Brazil in the previous two weeks as cases surge in the nation. Relatives of U.S. citizens, green card holders, and airline workers are exempt from the restrictions, which start tonight at midnight ahead of schedule. No immediate reason was given for moving up the ban. Brazil, which has nearly 375,000 cases, according to Johns Hopkins University, has the second highest infection rate in the world behind the United States. Dave. Uh, Rachel, we're just getting word that the north lawn of the White House and the area around that has been closed for security reasons. We don't have any more information. Five more states will lift some restrictions today, including bars allowed to open in Arkansas at one-third capacity, and bars could be half full in West Virginia. Ohio will allow gyms to reopen. And then there's Missouri. People who crowded into the Lake of the Ozarks over the weekend all close together, no masks, drawing the ire of St. Louis County Executive Sam Page, calling it reckless. And anyone who is involved... Uh, this weekend in any sort of crowded event should just self-quarantine for the next 14 days, even if you don't have symptoms. The FBI is joining police searching for a University of Connecticut student turned suspected killer. And Peter Manfredonia's family is urging him to stop running. It is time to let the healing process begin. It's time to surrender. You have your parents and your sisters and your family's entire support. Family attorney Michael Dolan, the 23-year-old's accused in two murders. Police say he's armed after stealing guns in a home invasion. Manfredoni is now believed to be in Pennsylvania, perhaps spotted walking railroad tracks. America's listening to Fox News. This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshare. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare contracts, and in the process started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. Sound crazy? The crazy thing is, this never ends. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. I guarantee if we can't cancel your timeshare contract, you'll pay nothing. Were you lied to when buying a timeshare and want out? Get the facts about timeshare cancellation. Call Wesley now for your free information kit. 800-858-1199. 800-858-1199. 800-858-1199. WPG Talk Radio 95.5 Weather from Chief Meteorologist Dan Zero. 
Patches of pea soup fog and low clouds have developed across South Jersey this morning. Visibilities may drop below a quarter mile at times through almost lunchtime today. Now we'll see partly sunny skies with a high temperature around 72 degrees. The cool spot will be the coast. You go inland, we may come close to 80 today. Some clouds tonight with fog likely once again, low of 59. Mostly cloudy tomorrow with a chance of sprinkles, high of 73. And then Thursday, lots of clouds with a few showers, high of 71. I'm Chief Meteorologist Dan Zarowan, WPG Talk Radio 95.5. From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Hey, thanks very much. Chuck Malamut is here. I want to open this hour because this was a... um, a day that although I was not a part of the industry until 1980, we actually had the opportunity to come on board even before the Golden Nugget opened. I think it was February of 81, but I was actually on board in 1980. But in 1978, 42 years ago today, Resorts Casino Hotel opened in Atlantic City. Who would have imagined that on Memorial Day weekend, 42 years later, uh, it, it would be forced to close by government? And something that we'll never see again. And it was a part of orientation training, which I think Augie Renna had something to do with when I went through orientation training for my position. And I learned that the corporate parent company to Resorts, then Resorts International Hotel Casino, was the Mary Carter Paint Company. How does that, how is that even possible? Think about it. That is so quaint boutique impossible never happen again you look at what's happening now you have toxic assets this casino is a toxic asset they're on that side of the the ledger and that set of books and here's one that's not it's just amazing to me the program you're about to listen to is presented by chuck malamut a financial advisor at morgan stanley the information views and opinions expressed are those of chuck malamut and do not necessarily reflect those of Morgan Stanley or its affiliates. They are current as of the date of this broadcast, subject to change without notice. Neither the information provided nor any opinion expressed herein constitutes a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. This presentation is for informational purposes only. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, member SIPC, ladies and gentlemen, the official financial advisor for Hurley in the Morning, Chuck Malamud. Chuck, how about that happy 42nd birthday for resorts? Harry, it seemed like just yesterday. I know. Like, if you remember, a number of people just lined up waiting to play uh, at the time. Think about 42 years ago, a $25 minimum blackjack game. Yep. Uh, remember, if you left your chair, you left. There were no clear chips to say, I'm going to the restroom, people relieve themselves on chairs. It was stanchions up to, to, to get in. Pretty wild stuff. Brooms to, to sweep the money out of the count room because it was coming in quicker than they could count it. Yeah, I, I, if you remember, you know, way back when, when they had what they referred to as the hard count, where they used to go uh, you know, on the casino floor every day and pull... Uh, the actual coin from the slots yep. and the, the equipment 
the train, as it was oftentimes referred to, was so heavy, you couldn't get it across the floor. It, it literally got hung up on the carpet. Yep. Uh, so they had to they had to literally put down plywood every night to create these tracks, so to speak. Um, you know, to move to move that coin, you know, from the slots into the. Um, into the hard count room. So it's amazing how things have changed. No and, and 42 years later, closed on Memorial Day weekend. Uh, yeah, you know, I listened, uh, you and Kirk and Bob, and uh, I, I mean, Harry, this is clearly a case, and I, I don't like to get political, as you know, in the show. It's clearly a case of picking winners and losers. And, um, you know, whether it's a big box store versus you know, a small, uh, small operator that does provide essentials, uh, whether it's a Democratic or Republican state. Um, you know, we look, we need to get open. Um, and, and, you know, whether it's back to the office and back to a more normalized environment, and, you know, they're saying, well, this is going to be the new norm, and we don't know what the new norm is going to look like. Um, but I think we all adhere to, to what the government had, one, requested and required, which was, um, you know, stay at home, get the counts down, and, and, and that all happened. Yeah. So now we're looking around saying, well, we did our part, so it's time that you do your part. And um, I, I don't think we're moving very quickly here, that's for sure. I think we'll probably be the last state to be fully open in the country. Which is horrendous to hear. How do, what does your financial acumen tell you that if we slow walk it here, I mean— I don't expect you to know the exact number, but exponentially, I mean, look how many more people, how many more businesses will be wrecked. Oh, Harry, I don't even I don't, I don't even want to begin to think about the number of businesses that either filed or will be filing and will not be reopening. And then obviously, you know, that's that you know, that's negative for not only the owner but the employees and yeah, this is going to be tough. Um, I mean, the weekend was certainly different. I mean, it, it did not feel like Memorial Day under any way, shape, or form. Um, you know, fortunately, we're starting to get some good weather, as it looks like. But um, we need to get going. We need to go. I mean, it's an, and, and I know that you covered the Belmar uh, Attila's Gym opening, closing, reopening. I read that there's it's going to be a number of uh, of uh, gyms and hair salons that are going to be opening on June the first, um, to the tune of upwards of three hundred, and basically signing off on a petition and starting to get going. And um, I don't know how I don't know how government's going to you know be able to effectively police all that. They, I guess, what they're trying to do is get enough people to do acts of civil disobedience that they won't be able to lock everybody up. If it's just one here or there, you get crushed. I mean, look at how the wheels of government, they were able to work uh, on Memorial Day weekend so that at 5 o'clock or whatever on a Friday, with Attila's Gym having no opportunity to respond, the state succeeded in getting the uh, judiciary to, to shut them down. And then the owner, I thought, was very, very smart about it. He said, look, it's it's a little different now because if we do it now, then we are guilty of a crime at a certain level, a misdemeanor and above, where it really starts to uh, to become a problem, where, where you go to jail. I just think it's very ironic, Chuck. This is not normally what we would talk about during your program, but that 
criminals are actually being let out for compassionate reasons, and there's a, a revolving door, and they're putting honorable, honest, decent business people in jail. There's something sick about that. Harry, there's there, um, there's no logic for sure. And, right. and um, I want to keep I want to keep talking about uh, this, but in fairness to you, Chuck, market update time is yours. Yeah. So so Harry, as, uh, you know, last week, um, you know, global stocks, you know, finished higher on on, on, on a lot of optimism that we we are going to see the reopening of our economy and some real positive news with respect to some of these vaccine trials. Um, now. As we got to the, to the latter part of the week, there was some caution um, with respect to the, these geo, geo, geopolitical tensions. You know, China planning to impose a new security law in Hong Kong, and then a, a U.S. Senate bill um, introduced in the latter part of the week that could force Chinese firms to delist from our U.S. stock exchanges. But, you know, investors seem to be pretty confident in a longer-term recovery. Well, I think... You know, you really need to position your portfolio, um, you, you know, to, to be able to act or react to these types of situations. Um, the yield on the U.S. Treasury, 10-year Treasury note rose to 66 basis points. That was a five basis point increase. It doesn't seem like a lot, but going from 0.66 to, uh, you know, to 0.61 in a, in a week's time represents an 8 to 9% um, change in rates. The, te- the price of oil, and I know we talked about this several weeks ago, West Texas Intermediate, rose $4 a barrel to $32.50. Um, volatility that we often refer to as the VIX declined uh, from 34.5 to uh, 29.8, which is a big move. It's about a 16% move from top to bottom. So I, I think you're starting to see um, – you know, the, the equity markets uh, are taking a, a, a continue to take a more long-term trend and look versus what you're seeing uh, coming out on the on the daily uh, the daily news with respect to you know how bad things are. Um, and, you know, the, the the Dow Jones was up three point three percent for the week, so down fourteen point three year to date. And remember. Mm. And I think you said it very well last week that the Dow is only 30 stocks. The S&P up 3.2%, so down about 8.5% year-to-date. And clearly the winner, and we're going to cover this a little bit later uh, in in today's discussion, is the NASDAQ, which was up um, 3.4%. So they are now clearly the leader up 3.9% year-to-date. And the rally that we're seeing this morning uh, pre-market, the Dow is up uh, just about 500 points. Chuck, the- Chuck, in terms of the uh, the NASDAQ, and we have a break that we're going to go to very shortly, but let me get this out there before we go to the break for your quick response. If we need more time, we'll take it after the break. Do you find that, I'm a layperson, but I find that absolutely extraordinary, almost beyond comprehension, that the NASDAQ is actually up during the worst global pandemic in 102 or 103 years. Do you find that as fascinating as I do? Well, Harry, I think the one thing you have to recognize with any of these indices, the, the Dow, the S&P, or the NASDAQ, they're, market, you know, they're, they're all market-weighted. So your, your, your bigger 
market capitalization type companies in the in the case of uh, of the Nasdaq, uh, Apple, Amazon, Alphabet, or Google, Microsoft. I mean, they they take a big portion of that number. So as those individual companies performs, you know, oftentimes so will the market on all into itself. Very good. Very uh, so good. I, I I think you got to think about that. Okay. Still good news though. Absolutely, and you put today's gains on top of it. You know the you know the Nasdaq will probably be up. Um, I'm guessing at the end of today, year to date, probably in excess of five to five and a half percent. Fantastic. We'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to Chuck Malamut, the best in the business for all of your financial planning needs. Turn to Chuck Malamut six zero nine three eight three twenty ten to talk with Chuck six zero nine three eight three twenty ten incredible numbers i was so happy i woke up this morning uh i was just happy that i woke up but happy to see that at that point in time the dow futures were up over 500 so i thought wow this looks like it's going to be a great day and uh hopefully it will be we'll be back at 16 minutes past the hour with chuck malamut i am early in the morning wpg talk radio 95.5 fm and 1450 a.m Day. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. For complete contest rules, visit WPGTalkRadio.com. We continue all about your financial matters with Chuck Malamut. Chuck, is now a good time to talk about uh, U.S.-China relations? <laughs> Harry, I guess it's a good, as good as time as ever to talk about it. I mean, as, you, as we said just a few minutes ago, uh, the relationship between U.S. and China is going to, I think, worsen uh, before it gets better as we approach the November elections. You know, the follow-through on the Phase 1 trade deal um, now seems to be somewhat in jeopardy. Uh, the animosity that we uh, are exhibiting towards China, you know, continues to grow uh, as as politicians, believe it or not, Harry, on both sides of the aisle are blaming China for insufficient uh, response to the virus. So yeah. I think... It's true. It'll probably get worse uh, before it gets better here. And, you know, I, I was talking with a couple of uh, clients last week, uh, one in particular that uh, imports uh, shred paper shredders. And he says, you can well imagine uh, their business, uh, because everybody was you know, working from home, you know, went through the roof, so to speak. And, and they changed their supply chain, uh, basically uh discontinuing everything coming out of China and moving to Vietnam. And wow. that will, that's virtually in place right now. And they're, they're going to be shipping uh, from Vietnam within the next 15 to 30 days. Chuck, several months ago, and he's mentioned it a number of times, John Zarek went to Vietnam and he came back just armed with data, information of what he saw that's going on. Vietnam is becoming a tremendous strategic trading partner, aren't they? They are, Harry, and it's, you know, um, I, I think the division between uh, North and South has you know, somewhat been rectified over the years. Um, hard to believe what that country went through, yeah. and it's not, not too long ago into where they are today. It's pretty, a pretty remarkable turnaround, for sure. Corporate earnings, what, what, what do you see in the Malamut uh, crystal so, ball? So, Harry, you know, as, as, as we mentioned, uh, you know, we, we're virtually, you know, towards the end 
of the of the first quarter. Ninety five percent of the S and P five hundred reported so far. Uh, blended earnings, you know, per share, w- uh, which basically combining reported data with estimates that have not reported, uh, shows that earnings growth is running at a negative fourteen point six percent, which which we anticipated. Uh, while sales were up less than 1% compared to the same quarter a year ago. But remembering, you know, all of January, all of, Jan- all of February, and, and virtually, half, you know, half of March, you know, we, we operated sort of as is in a, in a normal economy. And then the economy got shut down, you know, virtually in the, in the middle of March. You know, the sectors that, that were hit the hardest that, will, that are now seeming to participate in the rebound, uh, consumer discretionary, uh, financials, energies, industrials. Uh, what 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 has worked? Uh, utilities, healthcare, technology, and consumer staples. But uh, the the problem that we're seeing, Harry, is the, uh, of the five hundred, one hundred fifty of the S and P five hundred companies right now have have suspended their earnings guidance. Uh, nearly a hundred have stopped uh, stock buybacks and nearly 50 have actually cut dividends. So, so, you know, think about, you know, 30% of the S and P 500 has virtually have, have no path in, into the future with respect to the potential earnings. I mean, Harry, that, you know, that's a little scary. That's something that we need to think about here. Without a doubt. Chuck, how about inflation? So, you know, the, the cost of getting all this done, I mean, you know, you're, you're hearing, you know, you know, a lot of politicians, you know, saying, listen, we just got to, you know, we got to get the next round out. We have to, you know, continue to send money to to virtually everyone in this country. Um, Harry, there is a cost to be paid for that. You know, uh, our children, uh, their children and their children. Uh, are going to be paying for this, you know, for multiple generations. And because we've had such an aggressive expansion with respect to monetary and and fiscal policy, you know, it's designed to be somewhat reflationary. So depending on how long this stimulus continues, you know, it it could disrupt the long-term disinflationary uh, forces that have been put in place, such as all the changes we've seen in with technology and productivity improvements uh, that have happened over the last decade. So, Harry, I wouldn't be surprised if you, you know, we always talk about, you know, inflation and really how is inflation measured. Uh, But I think, you know, a year from now, we're going to be looking at some inflation, you know, uh, down the road. Let me add an agenda item, even though you have so many on this wonderful uh, program today. Before we get to the global economy and what's happening there, I've noticed that the price of a gallon of gasoline seems to be up by about four cents a gallon. So that's something obviously is going on there. It's the, the in in the oil industry, correct? It is, Harry. So you know, I remember a couple of weeks ago we were we were chatting about. You know how how could oil trade negative, and it was a whole yeah. explanation to the respect to that the May contract. So if if you look at at the price at gasoline, um, you know compared to where we were, uh, you know, a, a year ago, 
the price of the pump, again, this is as of Friday, you know, nationally was a dollar eighty-eight a gallon, uh, $2.85 just a year ago. So it's a, basically a 50% increase. But I, I think you're, what you're looking at is where we were over the last three to four weeks. That's all. That's correct. Oil has, yeah. oil, oil has moved fairly significantly, uh, as evidenced in a $4 move, you know, last week. And oil is up, is up again today. So, um, is this commensurate, Chuck, with the countries coming back alive and more things are opening, so more people will be driving? And is that the uh, underlying reason? It is, Harry. And what's, what is happening now? The the um, you know the economy. You know, we're not. Unfortunately, we're not seeing it here, or we're we're not participating in here. No. I guess is the best way to put it. Um, because of the severe lockdowns that are in place. But, I, you know, you and Kirk last hour talked about Florida. Uh, Nevada is scheduled to open the Las Vegas casinos, uh, I believe, June the 4th. Uh, Colorado casinos have opened. Um, everyone- do you, Chuck, do you see us that, and this is a business you know a lot about, so you can sort of wear two hats here, your uh, your financial wizardry hat, and then your your former life as a senior casino executive, I would think when all these other jurisdictions are open, there is going to be so much pressure on Governor Murphy to not be able to justify staying closed. You, Harry, you would think so, uh, but but I I don't think Governor Murphy is in a, is in a, any hurry, Harry. I agree. Um, he said such. Yeah, he's, he he's, said such. He's now he's choosing uh, the cautious route. He says the science over, um, you know, not wanting to have this start all over again. But there could come a point where if you start destroying casinos and you start destroying all the businesses that support and service the casinos and you you, you kill all the, the restaurants, uh, I don't know. I think some of the restaurants are doing very, very well with takeout. But I think you'll agree with this statement, Chuck. There are just some restaurants that aren't going to do really well with takeout. That they're just they've been an experience of of diners eating in the restaurant, and it doesn't transfer for some. Some are gangbusters. I mean, I, I know one in Margate that the thousand uh, orders every every week, you know, every day that they're open four days a week. Uh, but some are not going to do as well with that. So there comes a point in time where they they're trying to cure or save the patient, but they're killing the patient. You know, Harry, it's a matter of saving saving the patient or saving the economy. Yeah, which is kind of they're kind of though they're not mutually exclusive though, because you're killing the patient another way. If you choke off their ability to make a livelihood, you're killing them another way. Well, exactly, and I and I think the path that we need to take at this point in time, I think we're all terribly frustrated with um, the leadership uh, that is that is coming, um, you know, out, out of our out of our capital in uh, Trenton. Um, you know, we're going to be paying for this. I mean, it's Harry. We're the one of the high as we know one of the highest tax states to begin with, and. 
And I think when we finish finish this, so to speak, I think it's obviously it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. Well, we know the governor has talked about $5 billion right now that he's just not even dealing with it, that we have a structural imbalance. We've got some significant problems, and uh, I don't think a federal bailout is coming. So we, we're looking at something here in the state of New Jersey that could be the likes of which uh, no one has seen. This could make the Great Recession look um, humane. When we come back from the halftime break, Chuck Malamut will talk about the global economy because when you think about it, this was a global pandemic. It shut the world down, basically. And we'll talk to Chuck with, our, is the global economy starting to wake up a bit? 30 minutes past the hour for all of your financial planning needs. Turn to the official, the exclusive financial advisor for the Hurley in the Morning program, Chuck Malamut. 609-383-2010 Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins There have been a couple of times I've gone to the grocery store and people are crammed in there you telling me that a restaurant that has, let's say, 20 tables they're only seating 5 tables at a time you gotta make a reservation you're telling me that's more dangerous than going to Walmart right now? No way No, that's it's ridiculous to... Right. That. I, mean, I mean, you're just trying to take common sense to apply it. Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins. Weekday afternoons at 1 on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Hi, it's Mark Levin. Join me this evening at 6. Now back to Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you, great one. 32 minutes past the hour. We continue with Chuck Malamut, all about your financial matters. Chuck, I teased right before the break. What's up with the global economy that also wasn't just America shut down the global economy. Well, Harry, you know, it, it, it's pretty evident that, you know, with lockdowns being eased uh, in, or lifted in, in, in more countries each and every week, you know, the, the, the global economy is starting to show uh, some signs of life. As, as we just talked about the last segment, uh, oil prices have rallied strongly. Um, road and air traffic has ticked up. I mean, there was some decent air travel this weekend, Memorial Day weekend, uh, from very, very depressed levels. Um, it, it appears that the worst of the economic crisis that was caused by COVID-19 pandemic is likely behind us, and activity should pick up um, since many regions are still in the, what I'll call the early early phases of you know, of, of, of this um, reopening of the economy. You know, the, the hopes for vaccine last week were pretty significant. Um, you know, Dr. Fauci, you know, basically said that he considers the results quite promising. And he actually said last week, Harry, I'm sure you saw it, that, um, you know, we need to get back to business. You know, we, we need to release people from their homes. And, and, I think the most significant thing, because we kind of railed on... Let me go back a step, Chuck. Not only did I see what Dr. Fauci said, I did a whole piece on that, because he was the one that said, we'll never shake hands again, we'll never hug again, we'll never be normal again, and now he is changing his tune to how unhealthy this is becoming when you stay in too long. So that is a... You talk about it, I I consider that a, a revelation, a conversion for him. Back to you. Well, I think, Harry, he's walking this back pretty significantly because the numbers that he, and well, if you think about it, initially said this was not going to be a problem, then it turned into this is going to be an awfully big problem, and now it's going to be, well, I'm not sure what kind of problem it's going to be. I mean, that's, you know, taking all the science out of it, so to speak. 
and saying, okay, I think you got it wrong, you know, multiple times in, in this process. But Chuck, they're saying that for every one percent of unemployment, five to ten thousand Americans will kill themselves, which means that thousands already have, uh, and that could wind up being more than die from the disease. Another reason why, when you're born free, this this policy or requirement to stay basically shut in is anathema to the whole psychology of a free person. And it's it's starting, you can see, I, I know, Chuck, you pay a lot of attention to what goes. And there are people flipping out right now. People are flipping out on each other. Uh, I was reading a, a piece about divorce rate, about uh, domestic violence. Uh, so even though this is a financial program, these things are happening during the shut-in. They're real. Well, Harry, not only are they real, but look at the, the financial damage that has been caused. Exactly. I mean, some people were very fortunate. Um, it's not, let me rephrase that, it's not fortunate to be unemployed. But, it's, you know, between uh, unemployment and then the additional $600 a week that the government was paying, um, a, a lot of people were better off, you know, not working. But that's, but that's a short-term phenomenon. That's not a long-term solution. Not and, at all. And I think yeah. some, we, we would be rather foolish to think that that's going to you know, solve, our, solve our problems. That's not the case at all. That's why when your job is reoffered to you, hey, the furlough's over, we're opening, uh, people shouldn't say no. I'm urging people to not say no because it's unnatural. That was great while things were closed, but when your job is available... If because you could do this until July or if they come up with an extension of it and you could do it for several more months, this is not the rest of your life. It's such a short-term thing. So I'm just hopeful that people say, wow, I'm going to have to turn down 2400 extra for the next few weeks or next few months or whatever uh, to go back to work. It's the right thing to do. Well, Harry, that's not. It's, it's absolutely the right thing to do, but you know there um, there will be circumstances where you know uh, people do not feel safe, um, and em employers will you know be obligated to give them a pass, so to speak. But I don't think an employer, if an employer needs a job filled, I don't think they're going to be holding that job forever. Well, they can't. You know, if you, if, you, if you're going to, you know, if if you're you know. If you need fifty people to run your business, and you you know, you know five or ten do not feel safe, I don't know how long do you give them before they come back to work before you re, re, you know put somebody else in that job. A good good point, Chuck. And let's move right into your next talking topic, and that is more United States relief spending is likely. So you're expecting we've had three point five rounds of stimulus. You're expecting more. So, Harry, you know, uh, you, you know, there's been a lot of discussion back and forth. And I, I mean, it was, I think it was two weeks ago, Nancy Pelosi floated the three, was it the three billion dollar tr trillion? No, trillion. Three trillion. Trillion. I'm sorry, trillion. Yeah. What's a zero? A couple of zeros. Yeah, what's a T? Right, right? You know, yeah. Um, so, 
you know, they, they took an, an initial wait and see approach with regard to some additional economic aid. But, you know, the, the White House said last week and Republican leadership of the Senate, you know, basically signaled that there could be some additional relief package. It's not too far off. You know, you know, the Senate's right now prioritizing the liability protections against um, some potential coronavirus related lawsuits. You know, not only for businesses but individuals is an essential part of this of this new bill. So, should a second wave of infections hit us, the, the president was very clear last week, Harry, saying he's not going to sh- close down the economy, but instead he's going to they're going to continue on on containing these protect these particular flare ups. Um, so, I, I found that to be very very interesting that. Um, Again, more we're going to saddle ourselves a little, with more debt, and that's something that we need to, you know, we need to think about here. Well said, Chuck. Uh, how about municipal bonds? Good, bad, so something else? Or, yeah. So, so Harry, you know, you know, as we've talked about, a lot of states have reopened. Um, you know, uh, which have obviously when they, you know, with, with all these lockdowns, they've, re, you know, re- tax revenues were reduced pretty significantly, putting. Some states, particularly our state, in a really difficult position as we attempt to budget or balance our budgets. Um, you know, preliminary estimates across you know roughly 30 states show that the average expected revenue declines anywhere from 15 to 25 percent. Fiscal year 2020 and fiscal year 2021, um, you know, you know, re- related to the, to the virus. So. You know, state and local government receipts, um, you know, excluding federal aid in 2019, were $2.1 trillion, you know, suggesting a shortfall over the next two years, Harry. Imagine $530 billion. Mm-hmm. Now, the recession, the Great Recession, that number, Harry, was $87 billion. So we are six potentially six times, um, you know, a- above what happened in 2009. You know, initially, the government, the federal government rolled out in the CARES Act about $150 billion to meet this expected gap. But it's pretty obvious that, you know, further support's going to be needed unless, you know, we end up with budget cuts and layoffs, which our governor has basically, you know, said on multiple occasions. So I, I think a municipal bond buyer has to be very, very careful what they're buying. Uh, you know, by, uh, by a good state with, you know, revenue enhanced, decent revenue, I would certainly look at a general obligation before I looked at a, at a revenue bond where revenue is based on either like sales tax revenue, uh, uh, you know, tourism, rental cars, hotels. I mean, they're going to come under, I think, you know, additional pressure. Um, you know, higher education bonds, transportation bonds, healthcare. They're going to probably struggle as well. Because Harry, think about these hospitals that have not gotten paid. You know, all this time. Correct, so, because no elective surgeries. They haven't gotten paid, but no elective surgeries of any kind can be done. Uh, they've, they've. That's why that whole um, issue that we were writing a lot about at WPGTalkRadio.com, where the uh, federal government was paying hospitals that had at least 100 COVID 
19 cases by April 12th. Very, very strange how that I don't want to get into that here on your show, but there's something very odd about all of that. That's that's being duked out right now, and I think it's going to work out, uh, and I hope that what I just said is true. Uh, but you're so right about that. Chuck, here's another one. Before the uh, final break, let's get this in because I believe it is Fed Chair Powell's finest hour. In large measure, the Fed has really saved the day. They've stepped up big. I think they've done from my vantage point, Chuck, everything that they can do. Does that leave the Fed right now shooting blanks? Have they just shot everything they've got? What are your thoughts? Well, Harry, I mean, Chairman Powell said it as recently as last week, and, he, and, and, and this is what he said, quote, by no means, end of quote, is the Fed out of ammunition, and that there is no limit the central bank's lending programs. So no specific details. And think about, you know, this time versus previous, you know, previous times when the Fed had to get involved. You know, they were supporting or are supporting, uh, the, you know, corporate bond market. It used to be exclusively treasuries. So um, I'm, I'm not certain what the, what the Fed's got loaded in their guns, so to speak. Or what those next bullets may be, but Harry, I don't think they're. Out. It sounds like they're not out of bullets. Good. Um, didn't I, didn't I, he once say a few weeks ago that they basically were? This is almost a reinvention. No, I don't think he said. I mean, he. I I, I think you just have to be very, very. You know, he's going to be very cautious in in what he says and how he says it because the market basically sits on every word and every phrase and every sentence and paragraph. Yeah. And, uh, and actually, Chuck, I don't know if you agree with me, but I think basically there was one little hiccup, but I can't even I can't even criticize it because it was a number of weeks ago, and it, I, I, I can't even remember what it was. But I remember there was one little hiccup because he did say something that I thought was sort of self-inflicted and kind of hurt the markets for a day or so. But But that's picky. To go into that, I think that the Fed and this Fed chair have been flawless. Harry, I, I think they, have, with all the all the potential landmines that are out there, um, they have navigated the course um, and have done a, a an exceptional job. Yeah. So you think about Chuck. How many times we've been doing this program for over twenty eight years? How many times have you heard me? gush so glowingly over the fed <laughs> not many chuck i think i gave ben bernanke credit for saving the planet and now i'm giving fed chair powell it does go to show you though when we hit a crisis of i don't want to say biblical proportion but such massive proportion uh it's amazing to see the people that step up because i i, I do mean that i think their performance has been basically flawless under impossible circumstances. Harry, absolutely. I think in our times together, um, this will go down as probably the, the best Fed chairman, uh, regardless of what our president says on occasion. But uh, notice, notice he hasn't said anything bad, which that is almost like a standing ovation. Well, well, Harry, most recently, remember, I actually talked about last week, there was a, uh, you know, the, the president is floating the idea of, of negative interest rates. And, um, 
you know, Chairman Powell said absolutely under no certain terms are we going in that direction. Notice how he took it, though, that usually that would take on a big Twitter war and a lot of carping, but it was kind of like he floated something and the Fed chair said it's not happening and he just went on, moved on. Let's get our last break in, Chuck. It's 47 minutes past the hour. You're listening to Chuck Malamut, all about your financial matters. When we come back, Chuck will talk um, growth versus value as we continue in just two and a half minutes with Chuck Malamut, who you can reach at 609-383-2010. I am. Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and WPGTalkRadio.com. Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins this afternoon at 1. Now, Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. We continue with Chuck Malamut at 51 minutes past the hour. Chuck, growth versus value. What's happening? So, so Harry, I, I, as we mentioned before, the, the NASDAQ, clearly the winner of, of, this, of, this, of the three different markets. And the NASDAQ is, you know, a lot of technology-type uh, securities. And, you know, going into last Friday, we've seen the year-to-date the widest margin since the, since the era of the dot-com. Uh, the Russell 1000 growth index is up 2.2% year-to-date, and those are typically the non-dividend payers. Uh, the Russell 1000 value, a lot of dividend payers, think about it. Uh, financials, energy, um, you know, they make up a good part of that index. That's down nearly 20%. So you, you kind of put it in perspective, you know, the, uh, a lot of the money has, has continued to move into the growth side, and money has moved away from value. Harry, that does not continue forever. Um, and I think the one thing uh, we all need to be conscious of is to have a, to have a, a, a diversified portfolio across all different asset classes, not only growth, but also value as well. Chuck, that was very interesting. Uh, I appreciate that. And here's something. The 20-year U.S. government bond has returned. So, Harry, I, I think a lot of, you know, a, a lot of, people have been asking, well, how are we paying for all this? And, um, you know, it, it seemed like many, many years ago, it was actually 1986 is when the government stopped issuing newly issued 20 year, you know, treasuries. So we, and we had typically, you know, the, you know, the, in, in the bills, the notes and the bonds and the bonds were the tens and the thirties. And now uh, we've most recently, as of last Wednesday, went to auction with it, the first 20-year bond in a matter of been, what, 30, almost 35 years. Uh, pretty remarkable times, that's for sure. Very, very interesting. China is back to work, and when we see that from afar, that makes us feel like we'll all be back to work because we're trailing them by a certain period of time. Now, I have to say, I did see where they shut down a whole area of over a million people because they, they seem to have had sort of reinfection or a hot spot, and China's very dishonest about their reporting to begin with, so it's maybe even worse than what they say. But based on what we know, they did return back to work. For example, Disney Shanghai opened. 
uh, all this is encouraging, isn't it? It is, Harry. And, you know, I think you you said it well. And, and you know, we, we rolled the tape back about 30 seconds. You said, you, you know, you don't do you do you really believe what what China tells us? But what they are reporting is that right now about 90 percent of small and mid-sized businesses have resumed some, their operations uh, following the coronavirus disruption. So, you know, you kind of put it on the timeline. You know, for us, that should be anywhere from 60 to 90 days from now, correct? Yeah. If, if, if the numbers are, are true. But the, the problem is, as you mentioned, and <laughs> I will agree with you, um, you know, what's right and what's not? Like, you know, are, are they absolutely reporting the truth? And the answer is no. Early or late to the bull market, because it's hard to believe, but we actually had a bull market, right? Well, Harry, we sure we had a bull market. I mean, the bull market that began in March 2009 and ended February 2020 ran just shy of 11 years. And the total return um, was about 530% over that time period, or roughly 18.3% a year. Now, if you if you were six months late coming to the party, uh, your gain would have been 307% or 14.4%, which I still think is uh, more than reasonable. And if you were six months early, you know, joining the bull market, your gain would have been about 250% or roughly 11.6% per year. But, you know, in all of our retirement planning modules that we do, you know, we're running equities of roughly, you know, seven, seven and a half percent. So these numbers over that 11, you know, plus or minus year period, pretty remarkable, anywhere from 11.6, you know, to 18.3%. And let's say this, Chuck, how about what's happened over the past? We know what happened uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. I mean, the Dow went down 9,000, uh, came back more than 5,000, looks like maybe today. Uh, is going to be a great day to add on to it. So the comeback from where we were, remember when we used to say, Chuck, are there buying opportunities? I mean, what's going on out there right now? For this growth that we've had in the three indices after the um, the fall has been sig- significant. Harry, it has been. And when you, when you look at how quick the recovery has been, compared to other recoveries where it typically takes, you know, a year and a half to, um, you know, to two years to re- to regain uh, what we lost. But I think on the other side of the coin, think about how quickly, you know, we entered into a bear market. I yeah. think it was 16 trading days or so that we went down 20% in the S&P 500. So, yeah. um you know, I, I think if we were writing, if we were, if we were kind of fast forwarding, you know, fifty, eighty, a hundred years, and looking back at the markets, I think you're going to find us to be pretty remarkable times. Want to and sort of pull that out and be in the aberration, uh, you know, to the rules, so to speak. Chuck, when we come out of this, and we will, because we're Americans, and we always do, we will come out of this. We will not look exactly the same, though. Not every job that used to exist 
two and a half months ago will ever exist again, and jobs that will continue to exist, some of them will look different. For example, people by necessity have had to work at home because you can't go into the office for obvious reasons. So they may never go back, right? Well, Harry, you know, President Trump declared the national emergency on Friday, March the 13th of this year. There were there was only three and a half percent of Americans, you know, working, you know, salaried employees working from their home wow. five days a week. Wow, that's crazy. Three point six, three point six percent. So think about the strain that we put on all these various systems, including you know, knock on wood, the internet. What do you, exactly? What do you think that's going to turn into, though, Chuck? Three point six percent prior to the pandemic. What percentage might work at home forevermore going forward? Uh, look, Harry, I, I don't want to throw a number out there, but if you're going to ask me, um, I would say thirty percent. Yeah, 30, I was thinking about something like that. Twenty five. Yeah, I was exactly thinking like twenty five percent. Now think about that change, eight times growth or something. That is is amazing and of course we don't have time the music's playing us out but telemedicine has connected and now that's going to be uh permanent and and alter so now you have your your um healthcare providers that are doing a significant number and they'll continue to do that even when people are well chuck the buzzer is about to sound thanks for a great visit harry thanks see you next week okay? you got it you take care you too buddy 609-383-2010 chuck malamut 95.5 FM and 1450 AM, WPGG Atlantic City, WENJ 97.3, HD3 Millville. One of the all... They went viral amid worry about the virus. I'm Dave Anthony, Fox News. You might have seen the videos and pictures on social media of the big weekend crowds at the Lake of the Ozarks in Missouri. The county executive is not happy. Fox's Jeff Manasso has more live. Scene is promising St. Louis County Executive Sam Page to issue a travel advisory. The risk of contracting COVID-19 is exponentially increased. Uh, this weekend, in any sort of crowded event, should just self-quarantine for the next 14 days, even if you don't have symptoms. Similar directives for partygoers in Kansas City, though at least one law enforcement leader at Lake of the Ozarks also saying that social distancing guidelines could not be enforced, Dave, because there are no laws. Now, Jeff, the number of corona cases now tops 5.5 million worldwide. Brazil has surged into second behind the U.S., and travel restrictions have been accelerated. They'll start now at midnight. The White House says the new restrictions will help ensure that foreign nationals from Brazil don't bring new infections into the U.S., but they also say this will not apply to the flow of commerce between our two countries. Fox's Kevin Cork, the drug President Trump took for two weeks as a corona preventive. Hydro Doxychloroquine is under more scrutiny by the World Health Organization, halting its testing. There's no issue. There is no signal. We're just acting on an abundance of caution. WHO Dr. Michael Ryan, other research suggests the drug could lead to heart problems and deaths. President Trump has tweeted again about voting by mail, writing there's no way those ballots will be anything less than fraudulent, claiming mailboxes will be robbed, ballots forged. Republicans are suing California's Democratic governor for sending millions of ballots. The president says it'll be a rigged election. Now, California's Secretary of State has said that voting by mail expansion during the corona crisis is a moral imperative to protect voting rights. Other states, including Michigan and Nevada, also planning to send voters applications for mail-in ballots. America's listening to Fox News. 
As a pro, saving time and money is your first priority. Lowe's can help you save both. Shop on Lowe'sforpros.com and get free standard shipping on qualifying orders of $45 or more. You'll find the brands you trust and can order on the job site or in the truck from any device. Need something in a hurry? Make a quick trip to Lowe's. We're open at 6 a.m. and offer curbside pickup so you can get what you need and get on your way. Lowe's, here to help you save time and money. Applies to eligible items only. Contiguous U.S. only. Restrictions apply. See Lowe'sforpros.com for details. Do not hire Franklin and Sons Electrical. The guy told me he'd shrink my monthly bill, and I'm like, dude, it's too small to read as it is. No matter how hard you work for your small business, online reviewers will find something to complain about. Then he's like, where's the circuit breaker? I'm like, bro, I didn't break anything. And while Progressive can't save you from these trolls, we can help you save money on commercial auto and business insurance. He told me I had a blown fuse. Uh, it's called a short fuse, and yes, I do have one, so watch yourself. Get a quote online today at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliated and third-party insurers. WPG Talk Radio 95.5 Weather from Chief Meteorologist Dan Zero. Patches of pea soup fog and low clouds have developed across South Jersey this morning. Visibilities may drop below a quarter mile at times through almost lunchtime today. Now we'll see partly sunny skies with a high temperature around 72 degrees. The cool spot will be the coast. You go inland, we may come close to 80 today. Some clouds tonight with fog likely once again, low of 59. Mostly cloudy tomorrow with a chance of sprinkles, high of 73. And then Thursday, lots of clouds with a few showers, high of 71. I'm Chief Meteorologist Dan Zero on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Hey, thanks very much. Welcome back. America's Senator is here. The distinguished gentleman from the 2nd Legislative District, Senator Chris Brown. I wrote a piece at 5.27 p.m. on Sunday titled, Shameful. It reads as follows. The South Jersey Transportation Authority is racing this Wednesday, tomorrow, May 27, 2020, to raise the price of the tolls by nearly 40%. Board members received notice late of this, uh, late this past Friday of this hastily called meeting. Yes, this is what they're doing during a global health pandemic. I believe Senator Chris Brown, who says it's more than a 40% increase, because some are saying 36%. I believe Senator Brown, who has said it's more than 40%. Imagine they're increasing the tolls from $3 to $4.25. And from 75 cents to a dollar 25 at the smaller exits. Numerous sources have told me that they have the votes to pass this massive increase. Former Senator Sonny McCullough, current SJTA board member, opposes the toll increases. To their credit, don't don't let me put the senator's uh, microphone on. I don't want to. Don't choke on your water or your coffee or anything when I say this. To their credit, for one of the first times ever. Assemblyman Vince Mazio and John Armato are against a tax, fee, or rate increase. This must be, Senator, really, really bad because they're even against it. It's, it has to be whole, just beyond awful because they've never met a tax they didn't like or like. So the meeting will take place by phone. 
on at 1.30 p.m. tomorrow. Our listeners, if you care to, you can call in. You can listen. And allegedly, you can make your comments. I'd love to know who that call screener is going to be <clears throat> by dialing in 800-346-7359. That's 800-346-7359. If you forget that, just go to my Facebook page, Harry Hurley. And then there's also the access code number that you need to put in and it'll prompt you you don't have to remember it's not tricky you just dial the toll-free number and then it will ask you to enter the access code and if you've ever done meetings like this you you've been a part of a meeting where you call in and then it asks you to enter the access code and then you're all put in the same queue i end this by saying this is disgusting abusive and reprehensible conduct by public officials this uh one item has had hundreds of likes hundreds of comments hundreds of shares so it's gotten around over the weekend senator brown welcome to hurley in the morning sir well it's wonderful to be here thank you harry you're welcome uh i know your thoughts about this because we've talked about it uh both on and off the air but for our listeners what are your thoughts about this well first i want to thank you because as you recall a couple months ago at, at least i think it's been now when I saw what they were doing and I sounded the alarm and I told everybody that they're trying to raise our tolls in the middle of the night, mm. uh, you, you heard the, the cry and you, you went out there and you, you raised public awareness and working together by then getting you the numbers. I mean, they tried to keep it a secret, so I was able to get it to you. Listen, man, Pleasantville, they're raising 75 cents to $1.25. That's over 60% EHT toll plaza. Three dollars to four uh, twenty-five. That's like a, over a forty percent. Uh, Pomona exit nine, Hamilton, same thing, over sixty percent. And and we were able to uh, educate the public and let them see what happens when the Camden Cabal, those guys who buy our local uh, state representatives, are able to buy them. Senator, you raise a very good point because the lazy media will just say from the Walt Whitman Bridge uh, or just after the Walt Whitman Bridge when you get off the North-South Freeway onto the expressway and all the way in that this is how much it would cost if you do the whole shooting match everywhere. But you're right about that. Depending, Most people listening right now use it and maybe go from Hamilton through Exit 2 and then into Atlantic City or others even a shorter distance, but maybe through exit two, or maybe some get off at exit. I guess it's five, if that's the, the, the toll one. I know there's two Pleasantville exits, so the, the one's a toll, and you get off on that, and then that is from 75 to 125. So for most people listening, it is significantly more than a 40% a forty tax increase. Huge. Yes, yes. And these here's the, here's the other part. These... The, I don't know what else to call them, but lowlifes. These lowlifes are banging us over the head during the coronavirus. It's a pandemic, and the governor and the, the local SJTA board and its leadership, and it look, let's be honest, it's run by the Camden Cabal. So the Camden Cabal wants more money so they can do a rail line from Camden County, and most of the people on that board are bought and paid for by the Camden Cabal. So what does that mean? That means that these people are so despicable, they will uh, wait for a pandemic where the governor has ordered you to stay in your house 
to hold a public hearing on raising our tolls over 40%. Now think about it. At a time when we're going to be trying to have our economy recover and we want to encourage people to come here, who raises it over over uh, 40%? No, Ray, who raises stuff like this during a health pandemic when people are getting destroyed financially, Senator? This is awful. You're right. I'm talking to a very good friend of mine right now wrote, this toll increase is a total outrage and will hurt business, only in New Jersey. How could you do that? during a pandemic senator at any time i mean if this was the best of times a 40 percent plus increase would be outrageous in all our lives we're used to maybe maybe a toll goes up five percent or ten percent or something and then people even complain about that when you're talking about and even the best numbers to try to make it look smaller come out to like 36 percent but nobody shoots the whole run you go where you go and so the tax the the toll increase is substantially beyond the overall increase because not everybody is riding the whole length and breadth of the expressway every single day or very often at all maybe if you go to an eagles game or something you're hitting every toll uh, and even then sometimes people are getting off at 7s and you don't hit the one at uh at, at the uh, egg harbor toll plaza but this is this is beyond outrageous everything about it that it's that it's a phone meeting that the public doesn't even get to to face their government that's taking this action i think it's awful i think it's rotten it is awful and it is rotten and here's what is also frustrating my friends across the aisle are always talking about we got to raise taxes to redistribute it to um others and here they are raising, and this is why I, I, I say to, you know, my blue-collar friends, uh, anybody who's just trying to make a living, that single mom who, who's driving into work every morning, uh, they just raise their, their lust for money, their greed for control and new programs and new spending and ways to pat themselves on the back at cocktail parties has now caused them to make that single working mom who drives in from, uh, you know, EHT to get to Atlantic City to work or, or that cocktail waitress or that uh, server, that uh, person just trying to get by so they can buy a pizza on Friday for their yeah. family. Tom, uh, uh, Chris, Senator Brown, get a load of this. Check this out. You figure when the casinos open up, they're going to probably be told social distancing, 50%. The hotels, the non-gaming hotels, are, are told 60% right now. But everything's closed, so my friend's place in Cape May has 7% occupancy for the first week of June. I mean, we're talking about this is beyond depression at this point. Now, I'm a, I'm a relic in the hotel casino industry, but I was damn good a long time ago for the first 10 or 12 years of the industry's existence. And I, I, I grew through the ranks very, very quickly. And and I know I still know the business to an extent. There's going to be a certain percentage of people that are never coming back. I don't know what that percentage is, but it's going to be double digits, and I would predict it's going to be multiple double digits that just won't be able to come back because you can't afford to bring back under a model that's completely altered hopefully as time goes on you can then bring people back but we're going to be we're going to be talking about people that went from being furloughed 
to no job to come back to. And it's not just picking on the casino industry. It's restaurants. It's uh, hair salons. It's gyms. You could go on and on and on. What kind of fools do this kind of thing with all that going on? Well, the fools are... I guess these fools is the answer. Well, the the Mazios, the Armados, the Camden Cabal, and... Now, like, can I ask you this, though? Because I know this is... You almost want to, like, throw up in your mouth. I know I do when I say this, but allegedly Mazio and Armado are against this. I'm going to do that with a wink, wink, wink. I had to blink three times. So what do you think of that, Senator? What I think of that is neither of them have done anything. They have not done anything. Just like when Mazio in North Jersey casinos, it's just such an obvious one where he's saying, look, if the North Jersey casinos come, I'm over it. He whited his name off of the resolution. We could have stopped it in its tracks. The guy whited his name off, and then he went on the radio and said, oh, you, gee whiz, gosh, I'm against it, I think. At least today, somebody's told me I should be. So he's done absolutely nothing. And and look, in his credit, I don't even think he has the brain power to figure it out anyway. So we just leave him alone. You know what I mean? It's like that crazy uncle in the basement. Yeah, because I haven't. Actually, it's a good point. We're going to get our break in. The senator's going to stay for one more segment. I haven't heard him say he's against it. I heard somebody in the media, like, do it for him. Uh, yeah, Assemblyman uh, Masio and Armato are against this. But they didn't, they didn't say it. But I, I, I just want to give the tiniest little bit of credit where credit is due. Senator, when we come back, the time is yours. I also want to explore the following. $200 million of this new revenue will be used... And I found out, I thought, all right, $200 million for light rail between Gloucester and Camden. I didn't know, is that is that a good price? I mean, I'm not qualified to, to know. I know that, for example, a mile of the tunnel was like $400 million or whatever that was years ago. But $200 million for uh, Gloucester to Camden. So I thought, all right, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Do they really need it? How How important is it? Uh, for light rail, then I find out, Senator, this two hundred million is just for like the architectural planning. This is crazy. Then there's sixty million for a connector from the expressway to ACY. But somebody very near and dear to me that's been all over, and I know she's called you, and she's called Van Drew, and she's called everybody. That's really big time on light rail what if we actually did something smart if we're going to get our face kicked in for 40 and 50 percent increases on on the tolls and beyond 60 percent as senator brown said in some cases why don't we have light rail from philadelphia international airport to atlantic city so when meet ac sells the city great like they do we actually have a great way of moving people from Philly to Atlantic City. Light rail from Philadelphia to Atlantic City would be something worth talking about and actually having a conversation with your citizens and saying, look, we want to do this, but it's going to cost this much, and this is what it will cost. We get told that the tolls are going up, and it's basically going everywhere except here. And, oh, by the way, the $60 million you get goes for a road you don't even need. Because we have one airline and 10 gates. That's all we got. 
So I want to unpack that, Senator Brown, when we come back with Senator Brown. I am. Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and on the WPG Talk Radio app. 